Hello and welcome to the Through the Pain Podcast. This is a place for chronic pain and chronic illness warriors to dare, dance, and dream through the pain. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for the Through the Pain podcast. I am so excited today to be having um, a pioneer in the sickle cell community. He is, yes, a pioneer, (laughs) a clinical psychologist and the lead investigator, tongue-tied, of the Charisma Study. Please welcome Dr. Charles Jonasink. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. We've known each other for a while now, and this is the first time that you've been on the platform. So um, for those of you who do, for the audience that doesn't know who you are, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, first of all, it's an honor to be here. Obviously, we've gotten an opportunity to work together, and I've just been floored by just how amazing you are and all the work that you do for the community. Um, and we, we can't even spend enough time talking about that. But uh, since you asked, I will talk about myself for a quick minute. Mm-hmm. I am trained as a psychologist, epidemiologist. I've been working with, uh, with sickle cell for 18 years now, and which seems to make me sound very old, but I guarantee I'm not that old. I'm still young in the game, as we like to say. But most of my work focuses on how can we get individuals who have not had high quality evidence-based healthcare, how can we get that high quality evidence-based healthcare to them? And one of the things that we like to do is use these digital or e-health platforms. But we've found out that, hey, we can't just give you an app and say, hey, go ahead, get better. It doesn't work that way. We really need to have a human component to it. And and that's what our research tries to figure out. How can we support this e-health or this digital health, uh, these digital health tools um, with a human component? How can we make that most most effective and most engaging for the people we're trying to reach? I'm going to back up a little bit because you starting to go into the charisma study now. I just wanted to back up and you said that you were involved in sickle cell research for the past 18 years and sickle cell is not a popular disease to do research for and it's not very lucrative (laughs) 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 why sickle cell disease uh so back in 2003 2004 i'd started graduate school at duke during my time at duke i was really studying health disparities Uh, minority populations and cardiovascular disease and looking at how stress gets into the body uh, for African-Americans that might have a myocardial infarction or a heart attack. Um, I was also looking at stress among college students. We had this event called the, um, it was the lacrosse scandal, whereas where some white lacrosse um, players had had some sexual altercations with some strippers that they hired at a party. And then there's, it was this huge scandal across the campus and it caused a lot of stress for the students, uh, for black students in particular at Duke. And we even measured their stress hormone cortisol and we're seeing a spike in the stress levels of our African-American students during this time. And it was, you know, it was one of my first publications. 
but I was working across the street from the sickle cell clinic. Laura Castor, who I still work with today, was the head of that clinic. And it was just a great community there. Um, and I got connected with them. My father was also a research nurse um, at the sickle cell clinic. And I just it just made sense to me when I started working with the sickle cell population. I was just like, yo, these are my people. Um, and I had already looked at a lot of uh, cardiovascular disease populations and trying to figure out how stress gets into the body and causes cardiovascular disease. But there was such an opportunity to just understand how stress actually impacts somebody who was my same age, looked like me, might have had a similar background to me, except they've been growing up with a chronic condition that could potentially kill them at some point in time, right? Um, and so to understand that, like, hey, how does stress lead to increased risk of mortality and morbidity in this population who could very well, this could be me, this could very well be me. Now that was, yeah, it was just automatically that just made sense. And it was just something I've been passionate about and, you know, really dedicated my life to. So within your research, were you able to find that there are alternatives? Now, I know Charisma, we're using CBT. Um, so is CBT really helping the patients with sickle cell disease? Is it really improving uh, the quality of life for a sickle cell patient? Well, I'm really glad you asked that question because the answer is we do not know yet. We think so. There is some evidence. Karen Gill, who was one of the leading psychologists in the sickle cell community, um, in sickle cell research, had done some smaller studies on cognitive behavioral therapy in sickle cell, saw a decrease in pain, decrease in healthcare utilization. But honestly, the, the size of the studies was relatively small. It was like 30, 40 people, right? We haven't had a large scale trial of like over 100 people to really tell us, does CBT work? And more importantly, does CBT work better than just giving you education about your sickle cell. Because I'll tell you what, if you speak to any warrior, I think that they will tell you education is power. The more I know about my disease, the more I know about sickle cell, the treatments and what my physicians and other providers are saying to me, the better I'm going to do. And really, reality is, is that our community partners, Sickle Cell Community Consortium, Sickle Cell 101, Sickle Cell Warriors, Children's Sickle Cell Foundation, I could go on and on. The community has been providing education to the sickle cell to sickle cell patients and their family members for years, for decades, and been doing this really, really well. And there's evidence that that education works. And now what we need to figure out um, in, in the academic community is we know that cognitive behavioral therapy works for other populations. We've seen it work in sickle cell to a limited extent. We've seen it work a little bit. Now, can we do a large enough study to see compared to education that people with sickle cell, the community has been receiving and delivering, receiving for in decades now, compared to that, is CBT above and beyond, is it better? Um, and we don't know the answer to that. So stay tuned. Hopefully I'll have an answer for you in, the, in about 12 months. And so the charisma study is what will lead us to that answer. Is that correct? That, that's exactly it. The charisma study is comparing through the same modality, can we provide digitally cognitive behavioral therapy or can we provide sickle cell education? And now comparing people who've been randomized to one of those two groups, who's gonna fare better in terms of their pain, mm -hmm. their self-efficacy, 
um, healthcare utilization, and of course, uh, depression and anxiety. All right. So we talked about CBT. We talked about all the things. We talked about your background. Now, um, let's get in depth to about charisma. Um, so define charisma for us, for the audience here. Yeah, you know what? And I hated that you're going to ask me about charisma because I got to find out what charisma actually stands for. Mm -hmm. We came up with we came up with starting with this name and, and essentially we're talking about a a tailored cognitive behavioral therapy app mm -hmm. for adults living with sickle cell disease. This is. Um, this is something that it's not me talking about cognitive behavioral therapy. We have actual adults with sickle cell who have been through some things, who have gone through some struggles. Can you mute that? The doctor is busy. <laughs> oh, I'm, about to, I'm gonna hang that, hang it up. Sorry, disturbing our, our time here. All it's right. all right. I could edit. <laughs> all right, let's edit that out. Uh, so, cog so uh, charisma has trainings that are really done by warriors living with sickle cell disease. Right, it's not a bunch of academics or clinicians or book smart individuals trying to tell you what cognitive behavioral therapy is going to do for your life and your pain. It's really, hey, uh, what do warriors say about cognitive behavioral therapy, and what do they say is effective for them? And we not only have these trainings in cognitive behavioral therapy, but we also have warrior stories where we have individuals just talking about their experience with stress, with pain and sickle cell disease, even about mental health. Um, and I think that that's extremely impactful because one thing we know for certain in all my prior research, uh, we're looking at digital CBT and other populations. One thing we find is that for African-Americans or Blacks, we use these digital education or uh, materials or these digital therapies about half as much, and we're engaged about half as much as our white counterparts. And one of the things we heard from our community partners was we need to make cognitive behavioral therapy or even sickle cell education, we need to make it relevant and relatable have to make it relevant and relatable. And if it's not something you pick up, if you can't, if you pick up a book and you don't see immediately how it relates to you in your life, you're going to put that book down. You're going to say, oh, you know, forget about it. This is not interesting to me. But if you get on there and you say, man, this somebody's telling my story. And this person has a very similar experience to me. And they said this worked for them. And I'm struggling with X, whatever it is right now. All right. So we need, so we found out that we needed specific stories and trainings like that. We couldn't have somebody who just thinks they know about sickle cell talking about sickle cell. We really needed people who do know about sickle cell um, to talk about sickle cell and how cognitive behavioral therapy could work. So, uh, so what we do is we have people who have chronic, uh, chronic pain, pain for three days or three months or more, uh, pain more days than not for three months or more. I'll get it eventually, um, are adult above 18 and have sickle cell disease, if they want to participate in the study, they get randomized to either cognitive behavioral therapy or digital education. Both of them are delivered right to your phone, right? You get on Facebook Messenger, it's just a chat bot, and it delivers not only these uh, digital interactions through an AI chat bot, but it also provides videos and lessons and things like that. But along with that, whether you get the digital education or digital CBT, it doesn't even matter. You get assigned a health coach. 
And that health coach is there to reach out to you, to encourage you, to support you, to hear what's going on with you, what your goals are, what you want to achieve. We don't have health coaches that are trying to jam more CBT or education down your throat. It is really somebody who's there to listen first and then to help second, right? And this, the listening itself, really, I feel like is, is the helping hand. Of course, we're encouraging people to get on to the cognitive behavioral therapy because that's the main intervention. That's what we're trying to test or the education, whatever you're assigned to. But at the end of the day, you know, we are really hearing from um, people who have had experience with sickle cell. Sometimes your family members, even your friends just won't be there for you. And so sometimes it's just nice to have somebody who can reach out to you, can call you, can text message you, and, and you can just tell them what's on your mind, what's on your heart, you know, what you're struggling with, and then maybe help you find solutions to some of the things that are barriers to you living the best life, living the life that you want to live, reaching the goals that you want to live, so um, with the goals that you want to reach. So, um, so I'm really excited about this study. I think that the number of people that have reached out to us about it just is an example or exemplifies how important this is for the community and that there's nothing else available like that. But yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to Charisma uh, 2.0, to be honest with you. You know, once we get done with Charisma 1, let's go to Charisma 2.0 and expand this thing. And last, last thing I'm going to say, and I'll, I'll shut up for a second, Charisma really is the name of Charisma. We, we got it because not only do we want you to leave Charisma, the program, with tools to better manage your, your pain and your stress. But if you follow the, the, the treatment, if you follow the program, I guarantee you, you will feel more charismatic. You will have more control of your life and your social interactions and just your daily, your day-to-day -day functioning. You have some charisma, you know, get some charisma, use, <laughs> you know, your, do, charisma. <laughs> use your charisma, just do better. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and I think charisma is part of that. And that, of course, it also is a great acronym uh, that I can't tell you what it stands for right now, but I'm going to get that by the end of this podcast. <laughs> so um, for you who's listening, just I want to give you a tidbit. I am a charisma health coach. I've been a charisma health coach since August, and it's so rewarding. If you would like to be a part of this study, a part of the opportunity, a part of history, and um, get a health coach and join the, join the Charisma study so we can help you using either CBT or educational tools to get you to the best life that you would want to live. So join Charisma. Um, before we leave, I did have one final question for you. And um, I've been working with you guys uh, and I'm loving your team. Um, but what I do love is the dynamic that you have with your team, especially the dynamic that you have with your dad. Your father is working with you alongside of you, and it's a beautiful thing to see. There's even a time Appreciate when I that. saw, yeah, I even saw your son in the background when we were having meetings, and your, your wife works for the University of Pitt as well, and she is like, doing amazing things. I love your family dynamic. So um, I want to ask you, how is it for you to work side by side with the people you love? Yeah, no, it's, it's absolute, it's an absolute blessing. I think that, you know, when the star, the moon, the sun align, um, you know, things happen. And we talk about that tongue in cheek, like, oh, you know, 
if X, Y, and Z happens, that'd be a sign from God. But the fact that you can have my father get a, a position here at the University of Pittsburgh, and he was actually recruited before my wife and I were. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife finds a spot where she can be productive and fruitful. Uh, and then I can get a position where I'm able to run and, and lead this study and get the funding for this study that we've been talking about for like the last decade. We've been talking about doing this forever. Um, it's just it's just a blessing. I'm just like, man, you know, uh, this uh, this is clear. We've had a lot of bumps in the road. And I'm not saying this has not been um, without its errors or, you know, pitfalls or snags. But, you know, it's one of those things. It's been anointed because I don't think there is anything that can stop this. Um, Just the fact that we're all here together. And the last thing to say about working with my dad, I don't know if any of you out there have had this experience. I really didn't get along with my father when I was going through high school, when I was growing up. You know, he was working three jobs, just trying to support us. And when he'd come home, he seemed very controlling and and telling me to do my homework and all the things that I probably should have been doing. Yeah, exactly. Typical uh, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and he thought he knew what was best for me, which only when I got to college um, and I almost had failed out of high school and then end up going to college in North Dakota and then just realized, wow, you know what? I am so behind because I didn't come home when I should have. I didn't do my homework. I didn't kind of stay up and, and do the readings that my father kept telling me I should do. And I just didn't want to do at that time. Um, only then did I realize, man, he really knows what he's talking about. And then also my father was, um, he went to school for ministry. He never became a minister, but he used to force us to go to church. Wow. And I was like, man, this church thing, hopefully if I get a little religious on y'all today, but um, you can delete this part if you have to. No. But I was, I was feeling like I was being forced to go to church and it was not me. Like I did not feel like I had a relationship with God. I was like, is this God person even real? Of course, I'd come home and I'd like pray and, and do all these ritual type things, but it wasn't me. And it wasn't really until I actually, you know, full disclosure, I had an abortion uh, with my girlfriend. And after that experience, I felt guilt that I've never felt before. And it was at that time I called to God. I said, God, if you are real, please take this guilt away from me. And this was right before I went to college. And, and he spoke to me and he put this heavy on my heart. He said, go tell your parents. And the reason we had the abortion was so our parents would not find out. Um, and, wow. and it was at that moment, I realized, man, you know, God, God really does care about me, even in these small moments. I felt so small and he cared about me as an individual. And it was at that point, I was like, man, all that time I was pushing away from my father because I felt like he did not know what he was talking about. And he was trying to force me to do stuff that was not real, to be honest with you. Um, and after that experience, obviously told our parents and, and it was it was not a beautiful thing. It was very, very ugly, but went off to college, got in with a Bible study group and really started to get into the word. And the more I got into the word, the more I understood my father. And the yeah. more that I understood him, the more connected we became. And it wasn't until probably I graduated where we started to like really kind of hang out and talk about God, talk about the word. And then of course, it's even more of a blessing is we get to talk about work now. And so to just the fact to be there with him, to have his support and everything that we do. And I always, I always think about it just like it's the last thing. I always just think about it like uh, David and Solomon. And my dad was really, he, he really feels like David to me. And, and, and if you know, know the, know the Bible, the old Testament, you know, David was not allowed to build the temple of God because he was a man, he had blood on his hands. 
Yeah. But David prepared the way for Solomon. He he put all the lumber, he put all the iron, he put everything in the storehouse and said, son, I've got all this stuff ready for you because you're going to build the temple of God. And my father really has been there for me, building a foundation. And he gets little recognition because he doesn't have that PhD, doesn't have an MD. He's an absolute genius, doesn't get all that recognition, but works quietly in the background so that we can build this temple to God. And, and this charisma study and all the studies, the work that we're doing, I really feel like just working with you all in the community, working with you, Dima, it's just really coming together. And this would not be possible if it wasn't for the people that have been praying for this thing um, all along and building that foundation. So, so that's, my, that's my last piece. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that testimony. I, yeah. I really appreciate that wonderful prodigal son story. It, it, it will, I know it's going to bless our listeners and I'm not editing, I'm not going to edit it out. Everybody needs to hear that. <laughs> um, Dr. Charles, thank you so much. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your dream, your baby that you gave birth to. Um, thank you for being our mentors. Um, I really appreciate um, being a part of your team and because of you, um, letting me be on board, I was able to cultivate and, you know, finally be a part of a dream I didn't even know I was, I was longing for. So I just, I just want to thank you and uh, thank you for what you do for the community. For tools, merchandise, and additional information, log on to our website, www.throughthepain.org. This has been a Public Praise Media production.